because if you're not actively engaged in tax planning, you've been provided a tax plan. And the tax plan is what the IRS code says you will need to do with the money if you're not proactive with your planning. Let us help you reach your peak in retirement. It's time for Your Retirement Elevated. Well, we're so glad you're with us for another edition of Your Retirement Elevated. And boy, do we have a good show on tap for you today. I'm Walter Storholtz alongside Scott Dugan, co-founder and managing partner at Elevated Retirement Group, serving you throughout KC, but also clients all across the country. You can find us online at listentoscott.com. And Scott, in your 19 years of experience in financial planning, You've done a good amount of blogs, podcasts, radio shows on the topic of taxes, and it reemerges once again here in 2020. Uh, looking forward to today's show with you as we touch on that year-end tax planning conversation once again. Um, looking forward to it. It's hard to believe we're already here uh, to do another episode of the podcast. Uh, we call it our proactive year-end tax planning uh, special report, and uh, this year's a good one. We, we've got quite a bit of information jammed in there and it's interesting um, because this being an election year uh, we do have a section in there that talks about uh, the what ifs you know what if we get uh, a biden presidency looking into their proposed tax plan uh, with that administration uh, we talk about some of those uh, situations that may be happening and so as a little side note um, obviously we're doing this uh, pre-election we will do a post-election kind of an addendum to this to update anything that needs to be updated because now we have more certainty of where we stand going forward. Uh, so look forward to that uh, the first part of November. Yeah, it's going to be great to uh, <laughs> unpack everything after the election to see if uh, we might be in store for some major changes uh, or few changes. going to be interesting to see what happens with that. But I think, obviously, this conversation is something that we have uh, you know, kind of gone through before. In fact, we were talking about tax planning. I think it was back in maybe May with David McKnight when he joined uh, yes, the program. So absolutely. This should be something that's always on somebody's top of mind when they're planning for retirement. And too frequently, Scott, it, it's not. It's not. And I always like to say, you know, that the tax planning is usually a really big missing piece to a lot of people's plans. And the reason we like to talk about taxes, uh, and definitely we talk about investments and things like that, but, you know, you've heard me say it before, but taxes are a matter of fact and investments are a matter of opinion. And in uncertain times, especially going in, anytime we have an election year, this is not anything new. Uh, we have this uh, tumultuous time you know, pre-election. And uh, this is just a little bit different because you're coming in uh, having the first ever kind of pandemic government shut down the federal economy, the, you know, the national economy. And uh, we're seeing the kind of the battle waging, positioning themselves for um, the election. So you know, that tax piece, you know, taxes are black and white. Uh, we know what the rules are and it's easy to put a plan together inside of the confines of those rules. And if we get a change in presidency, uh, we'll probably have new rules that we'll need to abide by. And again, we'll, we'll give you a little summary towards the end of this. Uh, but I think the key term is this is you need to be proactive in your tax planning, especially this year end. It's up to you. It's up to us to affect the change that we're looking for, because uh, the IRS does not send out a, a helpful guide to help you 
go through and figure out how can you pay the your fair share of taxes, but not more uh, than your fair share. That, that doesn't really interest goal. them in helping you save that much on taxes, right? It's it's odd. It's not. Uh, they, they, that's not on the top of their list. Uh, they do a job of they, their job is to collect it and to uh, enforce those laws. Our job is to help you navigate what the rules are and help you take advantage of what's available to you. And again, we're not talking about tax preparation. That's what your CPA or your tax person does. We're talking about tax planning. Tax planning is when you proactively make changes to your financial situation that have a positive effect, not only in this tax year, but potentially years going years forward. So that's what we want to talk about today is some of those, uh, we have some nice checklists in here, things to uh, maybe be aware of and to help you figure out, do you need to look at some of these things? Now, as always, if you're, you know, we're, we're fortunate enough to be helping you with your plan and your planning. Uh, obviously, we've done a lot of this work throughout the year, uh, but the end of the year is always nice to have a little refresher to say, hey, we, has anything changed? Is anything different? What are our opportunities here towards the last part of the year? If you go through this and you see a couple of things that you maybe have questions on or want to see, does it apply to you? Uh, always reach out, uh, talk to us, talk to the team, and we'll be happy to answer any questions you have and help guide you through the end of 2020. Well, I don't know where you want to begin exactly, Scott, but I know something that always pops to the top of my mind when I'm thinking about taxes is itemization versus the standard deduction. And I feel like mm -hmm. through through my life, at least, I've bounced around a lot between those two. Some years, the standard, some years, the itemized. With the Trump tax cuts, it seemed like I needed to go back to the standard. But then the next year, it was back to itemizing. So that's something I know I've always got my eye on and probably something that a lot of folks approaching retirement are thinking about. Absolutely. And, and I you make up a great point. And, you know, the 2018 Tax Cuts and Jobs Act is it roughly doubled the standard deduction. So really since 2018, only about 10% of the population are really going to itemize. Most people, it's going to be more beneficial to take the standard deduction. And if you're over 65, there's an exemption that you get uh, that gives you a little extra bump. So most people, again, are going to take the standard deduction. Uh, but if you're charitable minded, if you have the ability, we basically will front load or flip flop year over a year. Let's say one year we take the standard deduction, um, but the next year we're going to itemize because we're going to try to push as much of those itemized expenses as possible into that tax year. So you may want to stack those and go every other year standard or itemized deductions. And again, it's going to depend on your situation, what your goals are, what your objectives are. But again, most people, uh, roughly 90% are going to take the standard deduction. But you're always, if you are going, think you're going to be close to that uh, standard deduction, you still want to keep your receipts. You still want to submit those to your tax preparer. And they're going to compare which would be better for you going forward. Uh, so I'd say still do the work, still keep track of things if you think you're going to be close. Um, but if not, just plan on taking the standard deduction and move on and keep life simple. 
Yeah, it definitely was a lot simpler the year we did standard again after all those years of doing itemized. It was like, oh, this was a refreshing April compared to previous Aprils, trying to pull all that together. So mm-hmm. absolutely, uh, I, I would love for it to be the standard every time. That would be great. All right, so that'll be something that, uh, and that's like a that's an important marriage, I think, between the tax planning and tax preparation side, right? Because you've got to consider and work with somebody's CPA so that the things that you're planning are getting executed and in, in that following that plan. Oh, definitely. And here's a great example, just very recent. And and this is nothing against CPAs or tax repairers, but you know their job is to be historians. They collect the data that you give them. They put it into the tax preparation software and they say, well, this is what happened. This is what you owe or, or what you're going to receive back as a refund. So that's tax preparation. And planning is, well, hey, are there things that we can do that can be a positive effect uh, on our taxes, not only this year, but you know, years going forward. So an example, uh, we have a client that uh, very large income for 2020 uh, because of retirement and a severance package. And we're going to think he's like, wow, you know, we, they withheld 20% and, and uh, pretty high income year. So is there anything we can do? And I said, well, you know, obviously you have a CPA because yeah, yeah, we, we worked on your CPA. I said, have they given you any ideas. So, well, no, they really just do the tax, you know, preparation part. And so when you read through the report, uh, you'll come upon a section that talks about donor advised funds and donor advised fund is a way to make a charitable contribution. Uh, it's an irrevocable contribution. So you put it into this donor advised fund and you get to take that tax deduction, that whole tax deduction in the year you make the contribution. So in this example, uh, they were able to do about $100,000 into a donor advised fund, and their net result was about a $31,000 tax refund, both state and federal. And so I brought up the idea. I said, well, let's run this by the CPA. And again, she said, well, yeah, that sounds like a good good idea. Let me me do the math. And it came back. So that $100,000 gives the uh, client a $30,000 plus thousand dollar refund, but it also is a hundred thousand dollars that's going to be contributed over time to the charity or foundation or group of their choosing to make a positive impact on their behalf. So it's it's a win-win situation. And so I, I think it's one of those things where a lot of times people think, well, you know, I'm on top of these things or my tax person's on top of this or my attorney's on top of this. And that's not always the case. And it's nothing against them. That's just what they do. They prepare things and they don't necessarily look forward looking review of the tax terms and then let them verify through the number crunching to make sure it is applicable to your situation. I think that makes a lot of sense, Scott. So as we're building this sort of checklist of things to be aware of, definitely consider the standard versus the itemized list and then thinking mm-hmm. about charitable contributions as uh, the, the second element to that. Absolutely. That, that would be a, a perfect one. And then, you know, leading into that, you know, as action items, uh, there's a great chart in the report. It's called Actions to Consider Before Your End. And it's very flashy, very uh, flashy title, uh, but we thought it was was a great way to say, hey, you need to think about these things before the year end. So, and let's just go through those very quickly. And I won't cover all of them because, again, I, my job is, today is not to just read through this, but I just want to give you some highlights of what's in there. And so you really want to, first and foremost, to figure out, 
does it make sense to do some year-end tax planning? You need to really estimate what your income or taxable income is going to look like for 2020. And that'll really help you make some decisions towards the end of the year. You really want to look at, you know, what are the notable tax changes for 2020? Uh, the big one being the suspension of required minimum distributions. So you had the CARES Act, uh, which suspended the RMD because of the pandemic, which is required minimum distribution. You had the SECURE Act that went into effect January 1st, that if you were turning uh, 72 in 2020, uh, then you, that's when you would start taking your required minimum distribution is age 72 versus age 70 and a half, which it was last year. And so you want to consider, you know, those things. So example, I had a client age 74, they did not have to take the required minimum distribution for this year. Uh, but what they did is did a qualified charitable distribution. We didn't took that money out and, and basically got it washed that and took it over to the charity. So it's a nice little way to, to make an impact and because they didn't need the money for this year. Um, and then you definitely want to review your capital gains and losses. Uh, and a big one, uh, I think you really want to consider a Roth IRA conversion if it fits into your plan. Um, and, and again, it's a chance to move from a tax deferred account uh, to a tax favored account or tax free account, which I think is going to be important. And I don't have a crystal ball. I can't tell you what's going to happen in the future uh, with tax rates. I can tell you that more than likely, you've heard me say this before, they're probably going to go up because of a very nasty four-letter word, and it's called math, okay? <laughs> and that word math, we just get to a point where our debt climbs and climbs and climbs, and unless you dramatically increase tax revenue, it's going to be difficult for the federal government to take money in through tax revenue and then dole it out to all the places that it, that they owe to, whether it's Social Security, Medicare, uh, interest on the national debt, you name it. Uh, it becomes difficult at some point in time. Again, I'm not being a gloom and doomer or anything like that. Um, I just know going forward, there's going to have to be either a combination of spending control or cuts. Uh, there's probably going to have to be some sort of increase in tax revenue. Um, and it, I don't think it matters who gets in there. It's going to be a situation we're going to face at some point in time. Sometimes and the truth just hurts, Scott. It, it does. And our job is to give advice that is factual, uh, is logical, and not based on emotions and hearsay and misunderstandings. And there's a lot of that going on right now. So I would just say the reason that we may want to take money from a tax-deferred account, move to a tax-free account, because if that money comes out tax-free later, that money's worth a lot more. Because you can, if you take a dollar out of a Roth 10 years from now, you get to spend that dollar. Okay? If you take that dollar out of an IRA, do we really know what the tax rates are going to be 10 years from now? You know, we, we don't know. So I, you don't know how much of that dollar you're going to keep. So if we're in historically low tax rates like we are right now, doesn't it make sense to move money from one tax account to another, pay the taxes or pay the toll to get it over there because we're seeing some of the lowest rates we've seen in a long, long time. So that's my, you know, review your tax strategies, uh, make sure they're rock solid and make sure you're, you're working with your planner and your tax professional to make sure those things line up. And I know that this is an end of year 
planning guide, but the good news is, at least with some of the IRA-type contributions, some of that can spill over into 2021, right? You have time at the beginning of next year to still make 2020 contributions and that kind of thing? Yes, and very big distinction. What we were just talking about were conversions, moving from an existing IRA or 401k to an IRA, Roth IRA or Roth 401k. Those conversions need to be made by 1231. Ah, okay. Okay, so two C's, conversion and contributions are saying, hey, I'm going to contribute out of my cash flow because I'm still working, for example, and I'm going to make a, a contribution. And so 401k contributions, uh, those, those do have to be made by 1231, 2020. IRA contributions either traditional or Roth, those can be made by the tax date, April 15th, 2021. And so a lot of different rules there. So I learned something new. I didn't, uh, I didn't realize that the conversions had to happen in the calendar year. I thought they yes. would followed the same contribution rule. So I learned something new today. Fantastic. Yeah. And so to further complicate that, conversions, 1231. <laughs> Please do. Uh, 401k contributions, either to the 401k traditional side or the Roth side, 403B, 457, all of those contributions have to be made in the calendar year. So those are the contributions. Now your IRA, traditional and Roth, those can be contributed up to April 15th of the tax filing deadline. Okay, that does make sense. Yeah. Uh, it is a lot to keep up with, but important distinctions, that's for sure. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. And on top yeah, of that, it seems like they've changed a lot of the limits over the last year or so as well. Those keep getting bumped and tweaked and moved around a little bit too. Yeah, it, absolutely. And you know, it's always a moving target. You know, so there's there's always going to be changes. You know, in, in the tax situation, and it's it's our job to navigate through those, understand them, and then help our clients apply the things that are worthwhile to them. You know, and part of the report, we do talk about notable and continuing tax changes for 2020. And some of the big ones, uh, you know, the floor for deductible medical expenses is still 7.5%. Uh, so so that is that is still in effect. Uh, if you look at, you know, charitable giving, we talked about uh, if you're 72 or over, uh, you can take your required minimum distribution up to a hundred thousand dollars, and you can do, you can take that required minimum distribution and do what's called a qualified charitable distribution or a QCD uh, up to a hundred thousand dollars per person directly from your IRA to a charity of your choice, and so that's a, a great thing to do. Again, you've got to do that by the end twelve thirty one twenty twenty. And so the other big ones, um, you know, if you look at, do you fund uh, 529 plans? Uh, do you look at uh, helping someone with medical or educational expenses? Uh, those are the big, you know, the big items that we always look at. Some notable coronavirus aid relief and economic uh, security, which is the CARES Act and the Secure Act changes. Again, you know, there's things in there that don't necessarily apply to all of our clients. But again, you want to look at that RMD suspension. So again, no required minimum distribution for 2020. But again, that I'll give you an example that this year, uh, we've got a client, uh, they're 76. Uh, their required minimum distribution would have been 
$74,000 this year. And some of the rules when you're talking about converting from an IRA to a Roth, one of the sticking points is that if you're 72 and you're required to take money out through your minimum distribution, well, see, you can't take that out and put it over to a Roth and convert it. They don't like you doing that. But this year, there's no required minimum distribution. So what did we do? We said, hey, let's take that $74,000. Let's take it out. Let's pay the taxes. But we're going to convert that to a Roth. So we got a $74,000 Roth IRA uh, this year because it, it keeps the tax rates level. It made sense. And now if she's got $74,000 growing in a tax-free situation. So I think it's a win-win situation on that. Yeah, that's fantastic. What other, uh, I know that this document, by the way, we're going to put a link to this in mm -hmm. the show notes of today's show. So if you want to read through some of the things that we've talked about today, and obviously there's lots of gaps that we aren't discussing on the podcast that you can go and get more details on and actually look at the numbers and absorb some of this, very helpful guide. Uh, just check the description or the show notes of today's episode, and we will link to where you can access this PDF and uh, this report. Um, what else in here do you want to cover, though, on the podcast, Scott, to make sure that we're at least bringing it to uh to light right now. Well, I think I'll, with the we'll wrap up this part of the the changes. You know, we talked about the Secure Act. Uh, I think the big ones. You know, if you're continuing to work after seventy and a half, uh, you now can still contribute to a traditional IRA past the age of seventy and a half. And so that's a new uh, scenario. Which you know, as people are working longer, it just allows you to defer a little bit longer. Uh, but I think the biggest Secure Act change. Uh, is just how IRAs are treated. You know, husband to wife, wife to husband, still a spouse on continuation. Uh, no big rule changes there. Um, but those IRAs, inherited IRAs or Roth IRAs that go to your children, um, we used to be able to do what's called a stretch IRA, which they had to take a little bit out over their lifetime dependent on their age. And so it was a way to, to really spread out the taxes and really keep wealth growing uh, if the recipient had the discipline you know, to leave it in there. That has changed because of the SECURE Act, and now they've got a 10-year window in which they must take that money out. And because why they want it out of there? Because they want the deferred taxation. So an example uh, was just talking to a client and walking through. I said, well, here's the impact of the SECURE Act you're not using a lot of this IRA right now. And right now it's worth about four and a half million dollars. So it's a large IRA. And I said, have you thought about, you know, what's the impact to the kids uh, when they receive it? I said, no, we really haven't looked at that. So if you talked to your CPA about it, I said, no, I haven't really done that. And I said, well, let's, let's walk through this. I said, with current tax rates. I said, are you, how are your kids doing? They've got three kids. I said, and how are they doing financially? I said, well, they're all doing pretty well and pretty high income. They're all in professional uh, capacities. So they're near the top of the the tax brackets. I said, well, let me look, let's show you what this looks like. Let's say if we go 10 years down the road, um, you just take out your required distributions and you leave the kids this chunk of money. I said, do you have any idea of how much of that those dollars are going to go to the Internal Revenue Service? I said, no, we really haven't thought about it. So we ran the numbers, and based on today's tax rates and where their children's current income levels are, if we just 
divided the IRA that they leave to their kids, divide it by 10 and just give give basically 10% of it every year. And I said, let's not even put any growth. Let's say it doesn't grow at all. That came out to 46 cents of every dollar that came out of their IRAs went to the Internal Revenue Service. It's a big chunk. Yeah. And so when you say, well, how many beneficiaries do you have? Well, I got three kids, so it's split three ways, 33, 33, 33. Well, you actually have four beneficiaries. You've got your three kids and the IRS. The problem is the Internal Revenue Service, they get 46% of it. And your kids get to divide the 54% by three. And that's a big deal. Yeah. No. Not what somebody wants to hear after no, trying to pass because- generational wealth and – and a legacy onto the next generation. Exactly. And and it's one of the things where if I would talk to the client, I said, well, this is the situation. How do you, how does it make you feel? And they're like, well, you know what? That's a lot more money than they had before. So, so what if they pay the taxes? Well, that's probably not a really great candidate for tax planning. Okay. That's going to be the end of the conversation. But if someone sees that, and if let's say it's 25%, 30%, you know, 46 is a high, high number. If you think that it's better to give a substantial portion of that to your kids or grandkids or a charitable uh, institution, those things, you've got to make those choices. Because if you're not actively engaged in tax planning, you've been provided a tax plan. And the tax plan is what the IRS code says you will need to do with the money if you're not proactive with your planning. So everyone listening has a tax plan. It's just dependent on did you choose it or not. And sadly, most people do not choose their tax plan. It's given them by the IRS. Interesting to look at that, Scott. And I know that that's a big concern for a lot of people. Um, If that is something that, and, and don't tune out of the episode yet, we've got more to come. But if that is something that's on your mind, you're not exactly sure how well prepared you are for dealing with some of these tax changes and these tax things, please reach out to Scott, start talking about tax planning. It should be a very central tenant of your financial life and financial plan. Uh, 913-393-4724, the number to call to get in touch with Scott or go online to listen to scott.com. And there's contact information there on the podcast website, easy to get in touch. And we'll also put uh, links to get in touch with Scott in the description of today's show uh, in the show notes section. So Scott, I think that probably is a, a good time to turn to the final element of the show today. Yeah, and that's absolutely. looking at the election and, uh, I know that you specifically want to focus more on if the status quo does not continue, if Joe Biden is elected, what are some of the changes that we could be in store for? None of these things actually become law as soon as the election happens, but um, these are at least parts of his plan and the impact it might have on folks listening to our show. Absolutely. And again, this is not a political you know, stance. This is simply looking at what the proposed tax changes look like and just putting them down in print and, more importantly, distilling them down so you can look and say, does this really apply to me? So if you look at this um, historically, if we do get a Biden presidency and if he did get to enact the laundry list of things that are out there, uh, it would be the fifth largest tax increase in our history. Um, again, not being political, that's just the facts of where it ranks from a, from a tax increase perspective. I think just starting through this, and I'll, I'll go through a, a chunk of these, the 
Tax Cuts and Jobs Act 2018 uh, really made a big change in the corporate tax rates. Uh, they reduced it from 35% down to 21%. And that's one of the reasons why you've seen money flow back into the United States because, you know, capital is a coward. Okay. And, you know, we talk about it's not going to flow to hostile places. And so when you think about taxation, money's going to flow to where it's taxed the least. That's why you have all this money going offshore and going to other countries, why businesses had entities set up in places like Ireland. And, and so just they're doing that to shift money around and avoid taxation. And so when you go from you know 35% to 21%, it gives an incentive and it pulls money back towards the U.S. shores. Biden tax plan uh, would like to increase that to 28%. So not as high as it was, uh, but you know, a 7% increase. The other portion of this, uh, moving the tax to- uh, the top tax bracket uh, from 37 to 396 in effect, it's rolling it back to where it was in 2017. Uh, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act dropped it from 39.6 to 37, and that's only going to affect people with uh, you know $400,000 or more in taxable income. So a lot of people are looking at it. Well, that's not that's, that doesn't affect me. Um, and you're right; most people don't make that type of money. Uh, but the other thing is a potential. If you look at 2017, the tax brackets you know, when you jump from one level to the next, they were fairly narrow. So to give you an example, you know, we talked about that, you know, 39.6 being the top bracket. Well, that doesn't affect a lot of people. Um, But if you think about what it does is it collapses uh, the tax bracket. So an example today with the current tax rates, if your taxable income um, stays under $100,000, you're in the 12% marginal bracket. So that's not too bad. Well, if we go back to 2017 rates, if you make $100,000 a year in taxable income, you're in the 25% taxable bracket, marginal bracket. That's a big jump. Okay. So right now, with current tax rates, you can have over $350,000 in taxable income and you stay in the 24% bracket. Roll back to 2017 rates, that same $350,000 lands you in the 33% bracket. Okay, so it's not just what the top bracket is, it's how quickly you climb the ladder and hit the rung on these higher marginal tax brackets. And so I definitely want to make sure people understand that. We talk about this quite often. Uh, in our events. Uh, We're getting ready to stay tuned. There's going to be a year in tax planning. Uh, We usually do them in person. Uh, We're going to do some virtual webinars to run through, uh, you know, the year in tax planning. I'm going to talk about this report in depth, but I'm going to talk about this tax arbitrage that we have right now and make sure we're, we're taking advantage of these low, low rates. So again, this is just a a smattering of some of the things that we're looking at. One of the big things that we want to kind of end on for today is one of the proposals, the eliminate the step up in basis. So give you an example, um, if they want to put an end to that step up in basis, we need to understand what is a step up in basis. And it's really referring to the cost of an asset 
or a property uh, that's transferable to an heir upon your death. So they look at, well, what did you pay for it? And what was it worth when you passed? And what was the value that your your children received as an example? So let's say you purchased a home for $300,000. And now 20 years later, it's worth $600,000 at the time of your death. Right now, that time, your heirs would pay capital gains only on anything above and over $600,000. So if they sold it, they you bought it for 300, it doubled in value, you gave it to your kids at $600,000, there's no tax on that $300,000 in gain. There would only be a gain if they held on to that house or stock. Let's say it went to $700,000. So it grew by $100,000 after they inherited it. Well, they would pay capital gains on that $100,000. So if we do eliminate step up in basis, basically the children would pay based on the value of when you purchase it, which is 300. You got it at 600,000. You would pay capital gains on $300,000 in gain. Now that's a big deal for a lot of people because for most people, the house is one of the major assets in their portfolio. Uh, so that's one we're watching for. And again, politics and policy are two different things. Uh, what gets said on the campaign trail doesn't always make it to fruition uh, for, for a lot of times. And again, for any of these future changes, they have to be approved by the Congress. So it, these are not slam dunks. I just want you to know that here's the things that are on the table. If we do get a, a Joe Biden presidency or some of the things that we'll be looking at to plan around. I think these are, are, are huge, especially we talked a lot today about that generational wealth, Scott, and some of the things that have been improved over the last couple of years for those looking to kind of create that generational wealth and pass income and assets onto the next generation. You know, those things could be majorly, majorly undone. So anybody that's in that ballpark especially needs to have their, uh, their ears and eyes tuned into these changes that could be coming down the pike. Absolutely. And again, you know, we're monitoring these things. Uh, there could be impactful changes. And as always, you know, we appreciate the opportunity to, to assist in addressing your financial matters. And we look forward to assisting you with those things. And we really look forward to the time uh, we can actually get together in a large room and uh, see each other and shake hands. That would be even even better. Fingers crossed for the return of that at some date in the future, hopefully sooner rather than later. Yes. Uh, for sure. Well, if you need any help on anything we've talked about today, again, we're releasing this episode before the election. So if you happen to be one of those folks that listens to podcasts, which it happens, uh, you know, after the election uh, and, you know, later on in the year, well, maybe go to the next episode because that's where we'll be talking about uh, post-election analysis of what to expect from taxes. Once we actually figure out who's going to be in the White House and what's going to happen to the to the Congress and the Senate heading into 2021, we're going to do an, our next episode on that subject. We'll be reacting to the election and the changes that may be coming down the pike once we get a good full lay of the land. So now if the election is decided on election night, that you can expect that episode to probably come out pretty quick. Scott, although it could be one of those elections that takes a little while to find out who how it all shakes out. So it, we'll kind of play it by ear. It certainly feels like we're being prepared for they are preparing us for uncertainty that is yes. for sure yes you're exactly they've already dropped enough nuggets out there to say don't expect an answer maybe 
on uh, on election night. So yeah, the the, the world, the market uh, do not like it's not going to like that. No, no, <laughs> it's going to be a rough week or two uh, sorting all of that out, most likely in the markets. But uh, another story for another day. It'll be interesting Absolutely. to break it all down with you ne- next time we chat, Scott. Looking forward to it. Absolutely. In the meantime, you want to get some help, some guidance, talk to Scott, start laying that foundation for going through some of this tax planning and financial planning with Scott and the team. Again, reach out 913-393-4724 and online at listentoscott.com. Scott, thanks for the help on the show. Have a great rest of your uh, month. And we'll be talking to you when we uh, essentially have a new president decided. And we'll go from there. Looking forward to it, Walter. All right. Thanks so much. That's Scott Dugan, Walter Storholt. We'll talk to you next time on Your Retirement Elevated. Investment advisory services offered through Elevated Capital Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor.